Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 23rd of November, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports and one half of your hosting duo. He is the, let's see, let me feel like I got this right. He's the mashed potatoes to my mac and cheese. He's the gravy to my cranberry sauce. I'm not sure what I am. I'm not sure what he is, but I do know this. He is my co-host of Partner in Crime, also from CBS Sports. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. Happy Monday to you. Yeah, Luke, I'm the sauce, okay? And the last time I checked, the sauce is the boss. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, it is a my favorite holiday week, a week to give thanks. Won't be normal, though, Luke. Everybody's canceling their turkey day plans, rightfully so, Dr. Fauch. But, uh, yeah, what a time to be alive. Uh, no, hey, but wait a Mike- second, though. You got, but wait a second. You got, you got two kids. You got your wife in the house. You got you in the house. Yeah. I mean, that's a small Thanksgiving, but that's a Thanksgiving. I got three dogs and two cat or three cats and two dogs as well, Luke. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have around, you know, maybe get some maybe do something fun and nice. But uh yeah, it's just a weird time. I mean, Mike Tyson's in a pay per view match this week. What a time, <laughs> Luke. What a time. It's a, and there's no judges and he can't win or he's not supposed to win by knockout, which is also a thing we'll discuss later in the week. Yes, yeah, so my family has canceled our Thanksgiving plan, so it'll just be me, uh, some Colombian in-laws and my wife, as well as the animals in the house. Stood in two, uh, two hour line on Saturday to get COVID tested. We're going to get another COVID test today because I was going to see my dad who turned 80 yesterday. Oh, BC, I'd wow. wish him a happy birthday. Yeah, I'd wish him a happy birthday on the air, but he'd never see it. So not sure yeah. exactly what the point is. Um, but I want to be extra careful because obviously at 80, you're at, at risk, but, uh, the rest of the family said no chance. So shout out to the so great Robert Thomas, who's, uh, yeah. whose satchel has helped produce this show. Luke. I mean, let's be real. Let's be straight up about yes. it. Right. I, I would like <laughs> to talk today without reference to my father's nutsack, but you know, it's a little late for that, isn't it? Uh, all right. A couple of news and notes here before we get going. If you want some of this MK merch, because, hey, BC, there are no Black Friday deals, but Black Friday is just days away at this point. Store.show.com. You can get some merch in there if you so choose. Let's see what else we got out there. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. Uh, give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. BC, I, I think we, would, we should shoot for a goal of 70K... Uh, subs by December one. I think that's very doable. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, very, very much so. What do you think that along with a year end goal? Wait. So your year end goal is seventy subs or seventy subs at the end of this month? I was. I was just the uh, just the end of this month. Just the end all of right, the month. Yeah. Just, I mean, look. Can we get that to certainly seventy five by the end of the year? Right. Five in a month is strong, especially when the we'll talk about this. The only remaining title fight is a flyweight title fight i think it's a little ambitious it's doable it's doable but it's ambitious so right. we'll, we'll have right. to we'll have to see about that but i, I do think 70 by the end of uh, the week or you know december t- uh, 1st anyway is very doable we need your help to get there it's nothing brian and i can actually do 
We need you guys to click like and subscribe and all that kind of a stuff. So I uh, always appreciate that when you do. And look, okay? just a reminder, right. you can click subscribe and then turn off notifications. If you're like, well, I want to subscribe to you, but I don't want to get emailed. You know, you can you can you can adjust that. You can toggle that. Jay, can you stay out of my ear? I know that's your job, but what's going on? He's here? asking me to bring my chair down just a little bit. So my head height is more all level right. with yours. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's get this started. Five big topics to start the show. We start with topic number one. Okay, so Saturday, UFC 255 is in the books. In the main event, Devison Figueredo, your UFC flyweight champion, retains his title by defeating Alex Perez by first round submission. BC, a lot of different moving parts here. I did a post-fight show. If you want to check that out, you can. But now we bring you in, good sir. I could parse this question a lot of different ways. I'll just ask it in a blanket statement. Your biggest takeaway from Figueredo's win over Perez is what? Uh, just that, you know, we had uh, visions of what a potential Figueredo flyweight title reign could look like. And, oh, by the way, this is just, you know, one more title defense. I'm not going too far. But this was just a double down of all the badassery that this man has teased. Look, he's got swagger coming out of his a-hole, Luke. He is an absolute pleasure to watch and a bad dude. But to go out there against a hungry guy looking to really, you know, double, triple his fandom and make his career in one night in the ease, Luke, the freaking ease in which he sort of set a trap and got him out of there was very impressive. Luke, it seems to be, and they did touch on this on the broadcast, that Figueredo's biggest battle in this weight class will be the damn weight class. We'll be making weight. And he did it this time. If he can keep doing it, um, we really might have a potential reign here. This guy can get you out of there with his fists. He certainly can submit you on the ground. And he seems to carry with him a swagger that just says, I'll brawl if you can hang with me. I'll point fight you if that's the only way. I'll do whatever it takes. But I'm going to get out of there and put another red stripe in my already blonde dyed hair. Um, I'm really interested knowing the fun guys in this division, some of which he's already fought, but if he can go on a run coming up, that includes big fights against the Morenos, the Garbrandts, the Askarovs, the whatever down the line. These are going to be some fun fights. And I think you're going to have to favor him, Luke, at this point, from what we know right now in every single one, he's a bad freaking dude. Do you have the confidence that he can keep making this weight? Cause it did look really tough this week. Yeah, I was saying this on the post-fight show, which was, you know, this is a guy who's going to need time to make weight. You can't call him out of nowhere to get it done. Now, can he do it if he stays in the United States, doesn't balloon up, like keeps a weight at a, you know, a maintainable level for a little while, and then goes back down in the course of three weeks? I guess we're going to see. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous about it, but I suppose that's more doable than being called somewhere out of the blue and then having to make it on short notice because he already is kind of low. Actually, really low, obviously. So I guess we'll see. But the, 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 one of the takeaways I had from this was I'm happy to see these other fights in the division, and some of them might be competitive. The Brandon Moreno fight, I think, will be very competitive. I look forward to seeing that, and if, if Figueredo wins and against Askarov, as you mentioned, and we'll see how it goes from there. But it's kind of a shame Henry Cejudo's not around, because that, to me, would be by far the most interesting. I don't know if Figueredo beats him. I suppose maybe he does. I mean, there's, you look at this and you think, who is a real threat if Henry Cejudo was still around? Who is a guy you could point to and say, this guy's got some things in his arsenal that I don't know if either Henry can match or understands or will be able to deal with, you know, that big power that Devison Figueredo has, that trickery on the ground that he has, the finishing ability that he has, the instincts, that's a real threat to not just anyone in this division, but if Suhudo decided to come back 
him too. So I don't know if that's the kind of thing that pulls Henry back. If he's looking for the biggest fight, you know, he wants to fight Volkanovski in a third weight class. That's obviously Luke. He don't want to. Cejudo does not want this this weight cut again. And as much no. as I love Figueredo, and I'm ready to tell you, there is star potential with a ceiling. He doesn't speak English. He's 125 pounds. There's a ceiling there. But look, if Cejudo's going to come back, it's going to be history against Volkanovski, or it's going to be against a a star bantamweight on a run. Like if Dillashaw recaptured the belt and they did a rematch, or if you know whomever, right? Jan Aljo go on some kind of run. It would make sense for Cejudo. He's a clout chaser, rightfully so. That's not a disrespectful comment. He is. There ain't much to gain anymore by going through that weight cut. Come on. We know this. Right. Uh, I suppose not. Still, I just mean, if you're asking me what would be the most interesting fights you could make at 125 pounds, I would put that on the list. Now, Cody Garbrandt has certainly talked about getting down there, was supposed to be down there. Perez filled in for him when he couldn't make it. But now it appears, and we don't know this for certain, but it appears he might be a COVID long hauler. One of these folks who gets COVID and then doesn't just get over it right away or, you know, within a short amount of time, has lingering symptoms for weeks or even months later. And you, he described this on social media to a degree, having brain fog and, and blood clots and other complications that can come from being a COVID long hauler. So I don't know what that means for his return. He said he looks like he wants to get back around March. We'll have to see what happens in this fight um, against Brandon Moreno, which we'll talk about here in December. Um, but I'm just saying, uh, you have someone in flyweight now who is a dominant figure. I think a lot of us thought when you know the TJ Henry Cejudo was settled uh, issue settled and Henry went up to 135, there'd be this sort of like open ended you know title being passed around, and that is still possible, of course, because flyweight fighting can be a little bit chaotic. But it does look to me, BC, like you have a dominant force now at 125, which I would say, all things being equal, is better than having the title passed around a little bit. You want you want someone that the brand can focus in on and promote, and he looks like that kind of a guy. Look, can I interject? Can I have the temerity, and maybe you produce the omerta to allow me to interject for a moment? Certainly. How about, how, about, how about those big Luke Thomas words, right? That felt good, Luke. It felt very Those are only big words if you read at a sixth grade level, but go ahead. Um, we talk, rightfully so, about, well, look, if this man, Figueredo, can, can put together wins, right? I mean, look, and, and look, as you said, Cody Garbrandt is a monster challenge if he's healthy, if he can make the weight. He's got one punch knockout power. We all know that. A lot of ifs there. But the name we're talking about is what if Cejudo decides to come back? Do you know who we're not talking about at all? The greatest featherweight of all time, right? Or not featherweight, flyweight, excuse me. Demetrius Johnson, the greatest flyweight of all time. Luke, what do you know off the top of your head of the details of his one championship contract? Because we just all assumed because Demetrius is... You know, he's been very open about his issues with UFC. When he signed with one, he talked up, right, probably rightfully so, about how happy he is, about how he never needs to win another big fight to win over critics. He doesn't care. He's done what he's done. Now he's just going to challenge himself, make money, blah, blah, blah. I've asked him on phone calls, is he going to fight in the UFC again? Does he care? He gives you the answers that say no. But, Luke, he's still in his early 30s. He's still among the best active fighters in the game at this point. When that contract does run dry, if Figueredo has four or five title defenses, that now you're talking some some business, not financial business, but some business of a fight we would really want to see. Let's just not forget to mention Mighty Mouse's name, knowing that look, you know, he, if he comes back in a couple, you know, a year from now when that deal is up, let's say it could be interesting. 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Uh, he ain't coming back. By the way, I have some breaking news. Not a whole lot to discuss because we've broken it down a million times, but the UFC has now formally announced it is official, 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 official. Poirier McGregor 2, January 23rd, Saturday, main event, UFC 257 BC. The UFC just put out a tweet about it. And, yeah, but uh, that tweet is a little books. like water is wet, right? We knew it. We knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the UFC hadn't announced it, which is sort of the last. All right, but don't blow me product. off here. You don't think if another guy sits in his chair at flyweight, if this becomes the Figueredo era, and I know we're asking a lot off of one win, that DJ would want to come back again and challenge himself against the I best? Don't think, I don't think UFC wants him to come back. I don't think that they, I don't I don't believe that. I think their partnership has run its course. Yeah. Well, one of these days, Luke, the IRS is going to be calling your boy Shotfi, or somebody will, and be like, "Hey, remember when you claimed uh, this? And remember when you claimed that you cured COVID? Uh, we got to do a little fact checking now, okay?" Can Luke, I tell you? Know? I, can I tell you? I get like I, you know, everyone knows what my email is. I put it out, LukeThomasNews at gmail I get more anonymous tips, not about UFC or Bellator or anything. I get crazy anonymous tips all the time about one. How many of those I can substantiate? You know. Not that many per se, but uh, they they be lighting up the DMs with one you know scoops so to speak, and they're not they're not flattering. I'll put it that way. So keep All your right, eye on Luke, that. Let, I suppose. What do you think about the transition now? The fact that UFC is saying, Figueroa, you want you want um uh Brandon Moreno, you got him, and you got him next month. And right. oh by the way, Luke, pretty giant news. Jan Aljo is out. This is, you know, this is your new filler. This is your new main event for that final pay-per-view of the year. Have we ever seen one man headline two pay-per-views in 30 days time before? Headline two pay-per-views in 30 days time. Didn't Jones do it with Bader and then uh, Shogun? Or was that Bader fight the Bader, not, not the a main pay-per-view. event? Not a pay-per-view. This is pretty, Jones, you know, Bader, this is you pretty sure? wild. Yeah, well, Jones it's certainly Bader. unprecedented in the modern era. Let me just double if check Jones that. If Jones Bader was sh- on a pay-per-view, it was not the headlining bout. It was not Let's the headliner. Okay. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, it was a pretty quick turnaround, just the same. But you're right. Maybe in a headlining role, not that case. And, of course, why is the UFC asking him to do that? Well, because their pay-per-view headliner that they thought they were going to have, Jan Aldo for the Bantamweight title, for whatever reason, uh, with Jan had to withdraw, so they had nothing. So now they're going to end on this. Um you know, I'll say this, man. UFC, all things considered, had a very strong year. I think a year they can look back on and be pretty pleased with how everything went by and large. I mean, it's probably a hiccup a year, year or there. And how they got started in the whole COVID thing was a bit of a black eye. But they rebounded very well. Still, very 2020, as I wrote on Twitter yesterday, to end on three flyweight title fights. <laughs> Figueredo, Shevchenko, and now Figueredo again. But, you know, honestly, this is the flyweight fight that most fight fans wanted to see. The Perez one was a fine one, given that it was, you know, all the circumstances there and with Cody and whatnot. But Moreno was the guy everyone thought was going to be 
the number one contender, or already was anyway. He's ready to go. He won in short order. He didn't take a beating. Figueredo didn't take a beating. They both fought on the same card. I'll say this. If you're going to do one in a quick turnaround, you're not going to get circumstances, BC, much better than this. Yeah, Moreno looked great, and I know there was an injury that ended that bout uh, for uh, Brandon Royval, but Moreno was putting it on like he does. Look, it's going to be a fun fight. I, it's just interesting in the whole theory. You're right. There's enough money in the bank in goodwill from UFC. They had an incredible 2020. They fought the COVID. They were industry leaders on getting back and doing it safely. There was a stretch there for four or five months where it was every single weekend a banger, maybe an I Calvillo thrown in between, but we certainly gave them respect and a pass for that. Now they're seemingly softening up the end of the year, and I've seen different takes. My Some of my brethren at CBS Sports are like, you know, are they looking to load up the first quarter of 2021 financially, taking away maybe some of the big fights now, thinking our pay-per-view money's already in, we're already getting, you know, what, what, what we're, you know, what, what else is there to gain? I add to that potential conspiracy, what we talked about the other episode was, you know, has Dana called up uh, Donald and said, hey, can we get people back in arenas in a month or two and maybe has some inside info? Do you think there's anything to that? Taking Jan Sterling and saying, hey, guys, maybe we should do this like two months from now where potentially we could put people in the arena and we'll put this flyweight thing now to just be a place filler. I, I feel like what happened was earlier in the year, they were just thinking to themselves, you know, what are the biggest, best fights that we can make? Let's blow this thing out the best way that we can. And then they ended up with a year-end situation where they were like, okay, what is left that we owe? Remember, because they, they, they have to offer you a certain amount of fights. If they don't, they have to pay you. And, you know, look, they want to keep all of their titles in rotation. I think they decided, you know, in this crazy transitory part of the year, or even when people were even settled in a little bit, but still, you know, the, the world is not normal, right, given what we've known normal to be most of our lives. Let's just pack in all the greatness that we can. And then here they were like, okay, we still got to get these flyweight fights done. Um, and then, of course, Shevchenko had an injury, so you know, kind of worked out that way. I think it was maybe a little bit more of that than – and I do think that the ESPN part of, in terms of like, you know, we have to meet a certain amount of content, and then once we've done all that, let's just give what we have over. I think it's a combination of the two. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a reason why they're ending this way, and it's because they had to, given how else they sort of front and mid-loaded – 2020 well let me let me ask you this as a spinoff to that somewhat related tangentially if i can use another luke word if i may uh tangentially tangentially is not a word the upper bound limits of my vocabulary uh if i if i may um luke is this is already a weird year next month you know we'll we'll probably throw our two cents in for the awards fighter of the year fight of the year all that good stuff it's already a weird year where not everybody has fought twice or whatever where you know, we talked about in boxing, Teofimo Lopez may end up being your fighter of the year in boxing for one win because it's the best win by far. Figueredo, I think right now is your fighter of the year for 2020, and he's got one more chance, Luke, to do something else spectacular. Mm. This is pretty damn interesting. I think for all the men- the things we just mentioned financially, maybe pushing off bigger fights, maybe just saying, hey, Figueredo's already in shape, Moreno didn't get banged up, let's do it again. They're also giving Figueredo his best opportunity to get known in a short time and double down on potentially being your fighter of the year in this wacky odd 2020. It's, it could, it could turn out pretty well for him, Luke. I think that's a great point, right? Because he fought the first Benavidez fight in Norfolk, Virginia, which was February. And then the second one, some months later, this was the third fight of the year against Perez. So he could get what a fourth one. If he has all all title fights, 
four title fights and potentially, if he wins again, yeah. four finishes. I mean, that could, you know, if, obviously we don't know what's going to happen in that fourth one, but it could be a, like a break. Yeah. Like this could be Henan Burrell with a personality, Luke. You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, I mean, and he can make sushi and do your wife's hair. It's pretty amazing what the guy's capable of doing. So uh, I think it's a great call. He absolutely would be. I mean, is it the most glamorous division? No, but you turn in performances like that that many times, you know, you're just going to be up there in the conversation no matter what. So I like the call. Now, let's go to the co-main event. Still a flyweight bout. Valentina Shevchenko, point number two here. She gets a win against Jennifer Maya and does so without much controversy, to be honest. She won 49-46 on all three judges' scorecard. That's exactly how I had it, BC. I gave the second round to Maya. Still, there was something kind of missing there. So the question for you would be, while she won comfortably, she was reserved, BC. Should that win have been more dominant? No, there, there's nothing missing here. Let's let's wake up a little bit here, okay? It's it's not Valentina's fault. And I'm not the, the, oh, he's a big Valentina. Let me just tell you some truth here for a second, okay? It's not Valentina's fault that she's so dominant. The division is so empty outside of maybe Andrade that she's going to end up being a minus 2,000 betting favorite, which she was this time around. Those odds are meant to sway certain betting trends. She's not a minus 2,000 favorite against anybody. She could lose any fight. Probably not, though, right? She's dominant. And it's also, look, you had Jennifer Maya in the best shape of her life at the best point of her career proving that she's pretty badass. She's tough as nails. And as much as it was impressive that Maya took all the big shots, actually won a round in round two by taking Valentina down and by holding her up against the fence, there's a lot of talk, Luke, about, like, is the division catching up to Valentina? No, she dominated this fight. And any other further talk about she didn't do enough to either go for the finish and be exciting, could you have said that in the Liz Carmouche fight? Yes. Liz Carmouche decided not to try to win Valentina at a certain point was just like, I'm going to protect, go the distance. I'm fine with that, right? That's fine. It was not a good fight, not a good representation of who she was. You know what happened here after she lost round two? She got pissed off. She started loading up with left hands, and she was bringing it. Most other women in this division would have been knocked out, Luke. Jennifer Maya just proved, and it just so happened, that not only can she take a big punch, she had some nice counter shots, she stayed somewhat in the fight, but let's not paint this picture what it isn't. This is a dominant win for Valentina. And by the way, she's coming off an injury. Everyone that fights her is going to be geared up for the biggest fight of their life. She's still who we thought she was. She tried to win and finish it. Maya was just strong enough to go the distance despite getting her face disfigured. Luke, what are we going to say negative here about Valentina? Please, please. come. Uh, here, here's what I would say about this. I don't have any problem with the fight. I don't have any problem with it. It's, it was fine to me. Um, the thing that I would challenge, is, and I'd also say, let me, let me add something on top of that in, in, in Shevchenko's defense. She doesn't control the way she's hyped. You know, yes, so to some degree she could wag the dog a little bit, but she doesn't really do that, right? She doesn't go out and make these grandiose statements. She's very careful and reserved in what she says. She always gives her opponents uh, a lot of credit. You know, she's not one of these sort of over-the-top public figures. So in that sense... The way in which she is hyped is not her call. And was she overhyped with this whole idea of like, nobody can touch her? She's a god among men. You know, Wonder Woman 2020. Yeah, there's a little bit of overhyping in that sense, but that's not in any way her fault. And I don't even take any of that stuff kind of seriously. That's just to sell pay-per-views. Okay, so let's remove that for a little bit. But I have seen people say things like, 
you know, that was a masterful performance and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's what I would say. It was masterful in the sense that uh, she clearly beat a number one contender without really any issue. Second round, Maya's round, but even then, Maya didn't really do a whole lot either on top. So, yeah, so the fact that you can have that much distance between you and your contemporaries, fight over fight, and after a long layoff and some surgery, yeah, that's pretty masterful. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that was some great fight. I don't know why we can't say that out loud. The fight was not good. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. In fact, you mentioned like in the Carmouche fight, you could sort of forgive her performance. Actually, I did some digging on the numbers on this. There is no fight she's had that's gone to a decision, and she's had seven of them inside the UFC, where she has had less round over round over round, a three-round consecutive output than she had in rounds one to three here. She had a total of 15 significant strikes that landed one per minute for 15 minutes. Not a lot. That's ex- actually exceptionally low. And her, if you look at her numbers overall, like her career stats, she lands 2.98 strikes uh, per minute. So we're talking about one-third of her normal output, and that normal output, less than three, that's below average in terms of the volume. It's very, very low. So even by her own reserve standards, she was really reserved. That part is number one. Number two, she targeted the legs of Maya only 4%. Again, for any fight she's had that's gone to a decision, that's the lowest ever. This was a very reserved performance on her part. And we should be able to say that out loud without any controversy. Now, of course, hold on, let me finish. finish. Hold on, hold on, BC. It is extremely reserved. She is a reserved fighter with little exception. And even by her own standard, it was reserved. Here's the point I'm trying to make, and I'll pitch it back to you, BC, because I understand. Listen, they can't all be bangers. It was a pragmatic, smart performance after a long time layoff against a fighter who, to your point, listen, Maya was ready to go. Okay, fine. But we should be able to say, was that fight amazing? No. No, it wasn't. Well, it was no, it okay. But, and there's nothing right. wrong with that either. I'm not trying to paint myself as the Shevchenko super fan. All, yeah, look, my hands are free. You can see my hands, all right? There's no gable gripping going on right here, okay? Uh, here's the point. When you use the stats in this case to back up your point, they don't tell an accurate story. Why? Because in round one, Valentina looked to be trying to make a point by taking Jennifer Maya down and trying to wear her slowly and strategically into a vulnerable spot to either submit her or ground and pound her. Because of that, Valentina dominated the first round. That is so not true. That is not true at all. Round two, in which Shevchenko lost, she spent most of the round fighting off the grappling. So you're not going to get the higher output on strikes. But to her credit, when she got pissed off and realized Maya's a little bit stronger than she thought, rounds three, four, and five, she went for the kill. She went for the knockout. I mean, what, what, what are we doing here, Luke? What the hell are we doing BC, here, BC, she landed eight significant strikes in the third round. That is one of the lowest for her ever. Now, rounds four and five, much better. 12 in round four, that's a little bit more common. And then round five, she put it on her 35. That is even high by her but you standards. Notice in so, three or four, she wasn't wasting strikes. She was actually looking to set up knockout punches with the left hand. Listen, so, both okay, fair enough. But both of them in this case are guilty, which is to say, dude, this idea that they were on top trying to do anything other than hold position is simply not true. They were not trying to pass. They were not trying to ground a pound. You cannot pass from full guard. You can, but it's very difficult to pass from your knees. You have to get on your feet. 
Not one time did either of them, when they were in top position, try to do that. Not once. I did not see one knee slice attempt from either of them. What they were why trying to Herb do was... Why didn't Herb stand him up, Luke? Then why didn't Herb do it? That's a, that's a question for Herb. That's not Valentina or like the, Jennifer Maya's like fault. But I'm just trying to make working. a point to you, dude. This is not Habib round one against Connor, where he is constantly working to wrap your legs, flatten you, push to mount, ground and pound. He is on your ass all the time working. That is not what happened here. Is that okay? It's okay. Just don't tell me I was watching a fucking masterpiece in some like a grandiose way. I was watching a pragmatic fight between two high-level competitors, and that's all it was. Okay? That's all it was. Luke, you can stick the pragma where the sun don't shine. All right, bro? Okay, I know what I saw. Anyway, look, good win. You know, fairly dominant win. We can take any narrative the way we want. But here's the deal, Luke. She's not losing that title anytime soon. Jessica Andrade will have a puncher's chance. I do want to see that fight. What's interesting is that Valentina believes Jessica should have to fight Lauren Murphy first. Luke, it would seem like good uh, promotional matchmaking not to do that, to instead line up each one as separate title defenses. But Luke, after Andrade, who we all respect, you, I mean, it's gonna. You're gonna have to catch her on the wrong on the wrong night for her. Have Valentina make a mistake. Uh, you know, it's gonna have to be a Matt Sarah situation. Luke, she's 32. She's at the peak of her powers. I don't know how much longer she wants to do this, but I could see her retiring with that 125 strap. You? Mm, yes. I mean, the fact that she can be off that long, and while the fight was not some sort of scintillating affair, for Maya to only really get one round, and as I mentioned, dude. The same criticism you can make of Valentina, you can make the same one of Jennifer. She didn't really do shit on top either. She wasn't really doing a whole lot. She wasn't pressing the action. And that's the best she could do. You know, that that tells me that, like, if you get a Valentina where there's any kind of a stylistic advantage, um, not just overall skill advantage, but, you know, a particular style advantage, or she's in rhythm and ready to go, I, I mean, the Andrade fight I look forward to, I, I, I hope that they make it because that would be interesting. But it's hard to look at anyone and be like, that's the person that's got the edge. I don't know who has the edge. Not now and not anytime soon. And, and it's not an, I mean, I'm not trying to say when I say really positives about Valentina, I'm not trying to act like this division should even really be a division. There's no depth in here, Luke. I mean, let's be straight up. J- Jessica, I, I mean, you know, Caitlin, Chukage, like these are when they got to the title level, they wouldn't be at the title level in any kind of other era in another division. It just is what it is. But with that said, I'm seeing enough to tell you as we talked the other day that Valentina is going to end up being on that short list of the greatest female fighters we've ever seen. She is of that ilk, Luke. I don't know this Megafumi Majidumi that you love, but uh, the other ones, she's as good or better than every female I've ever seen. Hope we can get that trilogy with Amanda. Who knows? Definitely not racist when you say it that way. Uh, Okay, point number three. Oof, I am not sure what to say about this one. Mike Perry loses to Tim Means. Now, that's not necessarily any kind of scandal, BC. Tim Means is a good fighter. In fact, we'll talk about what he is owed in just a minute. But let's start with Mike Perry because he's got the bigger name, and I think fans are a little bit more interested, whether perversely or not, about what happens to him. Now, not overall in his career, BC, but inside the octagon, he's now a 500 fighter. Is this all he's ever going to be? Sadly, Luke, this this win uh, was a reality check, and it's the, it wasn't that he didn't have a bunch of losses heading into this last fight against Mickey Gall. It's just that he seemed to have turned the corner. He fought that fight very strategically and seriously, and he won it 
convincingly, thoroughly, it was a great win. And he was going into this weird territory of, well, I'll just have my girlfriend coach me. And I'll be honest, you know, it, it played into this whole reality show thing. Look, when he's on a microphone, I said it the other day, you got, I got to see him. I don't, I don't care if it's perversely, I got to see him. But Luke, you have to have wins in there. This is a bad loss. And I'm not going to take anything away from, from Tim Means, who used his skills and his size, and you could tell he took the fight very seriously. And I do respect what Tim said afterwards about fighting for custody of his kids. And, you know, th I love it. But this is a bad loss for Mike Perry, straight up, Luke, because we thought he was going to float in that gray area between legitimate contender and gatekeeper-ish guy and kind of like he'll give the big names really tough outs and be a great B-side but, the, but if you're going to live in that, you got to beat the guys below you. Tim Means is below him. And even though Mike Perry put on a fun effort in that final round, uh, Luke, he's three and six in his last nine. He's lost three mm. of his last four. The leash will be very short when you have heavy baggage where when they put you in with, like, look, if he had fought Robbie Lawler and if Robbie Lawler had poured out what was left and, and Mike Perry lost, you're like, okay, he fought Robbie Lawler, guys. He's a former champion. Like, he, he's of the ilk. Tim Means has been around forever, Luke. But his best win might be Wash Tiago Silva. Like, he's not of that ilk, okay? It, it is what it is. It's a bad loss for Mike Perry. And I don't know how much more he's going to get in this type of fights if he keeps losing them because of the extra baggage he brings. Even though that same baggage, Luke, is what gets people like me to tune in. Because Mike Perry's a dirt hole, but he's fun to watch, dude. That's the reality of it. But you got to keep winning, and you got to win fights like this, Luke. Straight up. Yeah, the question that I pitched to you was, is this all it's ever going to be? I'll say this, as long as he's doing this where he's not taking the weight seriously, he doesn't have structure in his professional life, you know, he's deciding that his pregnant significant other is a suitable uh, person to fill a cornerman role. Again, I'm sure she's a nice person. It's not a knock on her, but you know, this is probably not a job that she's suited for. I've been covering MMA for 15 years, trained for 10 of them. I'm not suitable in that role so if you've done less than me it's hard for me to understand exactly what value you could be providing but as long as that's going to be the case this is all it's ever going to be and probably it will get worse if anything it certainly will not get better the best you could do is hope to maintain you know winning one out of every three well one out of every three you know that'll keep you in the majors in baseball if you're at bat but that's not the same record of success here that you need in the ultimate fighting championship and to your point i think it's exactly correct bc which is listen if you're John Jones, man, they'll move a fight over state lines on a week's notice if they can, because there's so much incentive for them to do that. But if you're not that guy, and Dana White was not exactly throwing him under the bus, he was saying things like, you know, he's still a fun fighter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, look, Mike Perry is always going to be fun. He's never going to be boring. It's not in his DNA to be boring, win or lose, prepared or not. He will always be fun. I think that is true. He just has that kind of appeal in the way he fights. But, you know, I don't see how you can round the corner and become the best version of yourself not doing things that elicit that best version. You're not doing any of those things. And it's a shame because, again, I don't know what the ceiling is on Mike Perry. I just know we're not anywhere close. And if you don't put structure in your life to get there, you can't. And that's not true merely of Mike Perry, B.C., that's true of the best fighters on earth. St. Pierre had to eat discipline and train with Faraz Zahabi, John Jones with Greg Jackson. He had to get blah, blah, blah. All of the best fighters have always had to have structure, programming, discipline, cornermen that, under, you know, that, that knew what they were doing and blah, blah, blah. This is, you know, it's, 
it's a little bit more than a sideshow, but it's part fighter, part sideshow. And honestly, it's a bit of a shame. And to your point about John Jones, uh, what can cover up the lack of structure is winning. John Jones kept winning. If Mike, you know, Mike Perry dabbing on the scale after video surface of him eating cheeseburgers and not caring about waking weight, it was actually kind of, again, perversely humorous to watch. If he had won, we would have kind of forgiven it and said, oh, there's crazy Mike, but he won. Maybe he used it to his advantage, but he won. He ain't winning, Luke. Do you think in a year, what's most likely? BKFC? Jail? Or finding a camp? Because there is ability in there. He's a bulldog underneath it. And figuring this thing out. Because, Luke, you know it as well as I do. He's an undersized welterweight. He ain't going to middleweight and finding success. At least not in the UFC. No. So, uh, if he doesn't find a professional team and, and, and really go for it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a bad ending. It's gonna real bad, real bad, real bad. In a year, I don't know what the answer is because I do think he's got enough talent to again. He'll win on occasion, especially with the right matchmaking. I mean, Tim Means was in some ways a bit of a bad matchup, not from a physical standpoint, but Means, whatever else you want to say about him, he's real technical. He's always been a technician. He's a bit of a fighter's fighter in that regard, where he has maximized whatever physical attributes he has by an understanding of what works in terms of best practices, and he's done his best to try and implement them. And that's carried him, you know, all things considered, pretty far. It's sort of in many ways the opposite of Mike Perry. Um, so if they match him up with, you know, contender series guys who maybe got contracts when they shouldn't have, or, um, you know, he gets a big punch landed because he still has a big punch, you know, I, I think he can win. It's just how many times fight over fight is that going to be available to you when you don't have the overall structure around to, to get the best out of yourself? And the answer is, so far, one out of every three. Um, it's unfortunate. Now, yeah. it leads me to Tim Means. The guy's been around forever. Tim Means business, Dirty Bird, whatever you want to call him. I've never heard a bad word about him in the industry. I've heard bad words about almost everyone. No one ever seems to say anything other than complimentary things about him as a person, and certainly as a fighter, BC. He is limited, I guess you could say, because there's enough evidence on him at this point to say he's not a, you know, a top-tier, you know, ten, uh, inside the top-five kind of fighter, but he is a technician. Should he get something more out of an experience like this? Yeah, he, I mean, he should get a, a, a bigger opportunity, I guess, than he's used to. There's an Arlovsky quality to him, and I say this as a positive. You don't get 23 trips to the octagon, Luke, and linger for, for as long as he has without being able to avoid multiple losses, which means constantly evolving, which means being a tough SOB. And as much as I kind of poo-pooed on Tim, not directly in saying this is a bad loss for Mike Perry, and in a lot of ways it was, Given the total circumstances, it's a great win for Tim Means. He showed toughness. He showed, uh, you know, great strategy, execution, all that stuff. Yes, for a guy that's been around forever yet is kind of lacking on giant wins, uh, it'd be nice to see him get a big opportunity. I mean, by big, Luke, you know what we're saying. A name. It would be nice to see him to get a name, right? Put him in a fight because he's a little different than Arlovsky. Arlovsky has found a way to be successful by dialing back a little bit. Tim means, you know, he's pragmatic. He fights in a smart, calculated way. But you saw the end of the third round. He'll also open up on occasion, too, right? He's a little bit committed in that way. So give him somebody with a bit of a bigger name on a pay-per-view where he can do that against. And if he gets a big win there, then, hey, whatever. The, you know, he, we'll talk about what could be uh, a possible there. But let's see if he can build on something at this late stage. I just feel like we've he's, he's gotten plenty of chances. But it, it'd be worth it to see somebody get a win like this and then be able to, like, say I can take an incremental step up afterwards is all I'm saying. All right. 
Now let's get to some sad questions here, BC. Topic number four. MMA legend Shogun Hua loses uh, in his, it was the main card opener for UFC 255. Paul Craig stops him via strikes, I think in what, the second round? Tapping to strikes, which I guess he did sort of after the fact in the John Jones fight, and maybe it was a little bit late here in terms of where the ref stepped in and blah, blah, blah. But he got dominated, and it wasn't especially close. Is it time for balding Shogun Hua to retire? Well, in fairness, just to build the foundation to this point, he got the shit kicked out of him against John Jones. You know, like that was one of the all-time one-sided performances, so I don't care if he tapped or whatever in that point. This was shocking, though, how this went. Even though Craig was winning and he looked good, Look, I didn't think it was, you know, domination from the standpoint of, like, stop the fight. I mean, it, this was shocking. So, physically, amazingly, no, he doesn't look physically like it's time to go. I mean, look, I don't even know how it's possible, but he came in 4-0-1 in his last five, which is insane because he takes a beating every fight, win or lose or draw. But, Luke, this is a – it's a bad sign, and I don't, I don't wish to – even though he deserves the benefit of the doubt, I don't wish to give him the benefit of the doubt that we kind of gave Diego Sanchez when he got the DQ against Michelle Pereira, and we almost said, well, veteran move to survive and advance another day. This felt like Shogun got trapped, and he's just like, yeah, that's it, I'm out. And I'm not saying there's not, uh, you know, it, look, he knew he was he was beaten, so why take extra punishment or get choked out? Like, but at the same time, that's not who Shogun is. Shogun's going to empty the damn tank every single fight. And his ability to keep doing that, Luke, is what has built this ridiculous 4-0-1 run in the last five entering in. But to see him tap out on strikes when, again, I'm not taking those punches, but that guy's been taking those punches for years. This didn't look that worse than anything I'd seen him in. That's a monster sign, Luke, that... He's not willing to go through what he has to anymore to win. And uh, that's when you know it's time. So physically, it doesn't look like it's time. But we talked about this with Woodley, with Lawler of late. When you when you can't pull the trigger, or you don't want to, or you don't want to pay the price anymore to get there. Please, that guy's a legend. That guy is a the best. In the room filled with badasses, Luke, that guy stands on top of the table and everybody reveres at the size of his bag. I mean, that guy is a man among boys in the history of this sport no shame but i don't i don't think it's safe to go oh that's fine hey who we got next in line for him no 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 let's have a, let's have an adult conversation about this luke that was shocking bj penn once said only a bitch taps out on strikes i didn't say that bj penn did right before he quit on his stool against gsp in the rematch you know, do what you want with that but um it, it it's a it, there's a stigma attached to that move for a reason luke I'm not taking these punches. I'm a bitch. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't them, but they're them. And he's not that anymore. Luke, did that make any sense? Yeah, that, not really. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind people miss it. I, I wrote on Twitter at the time that, you know, I, you know, Shogun tapped to strikes. That's not a thing I was prepared to write as if like, this was some indictment of him. Like, I don't care if a fighter taps to strikes to me, this sort of weird notion that you can tap to a choke and not to strikes I, it, I, it means nothing to me. I don't care about that at all. One is no more dishonorable or honorable than the other one. They're both total strategic decisions. And listen, if you don't want to be in a fight anymore, don't be in a fight anymore. I only want people competing if they really can summon the will to do it. And if you don't have it in that way on that night or that day or at all, yeah, then I, it, I, I don't judge. I don't have the fucking will to even step in there. You think I'm in a position to judge a fighter You know, saying he's had enough, especially after the long catalog of fights he's had and the wins? That's not the issue. But I saw people being like, 
well, he's, you know, it was a wise decision to save himself the punishment, which I agree with. But really, folks, it's too little too late. I mean, what ends up happening when we decide whether decide when we collectively have an argument about who is who should retire we look at their success in the octagon and what we usually say is who are they beating and who are the how are they winning in other words like if you can just keep winning at a reasonably high level there's no reason to stop at least very little reason to stop and i don't really agree with that years ago somebody asked me what it would take you know for brain damage to be a kind of limiting factor in who gets licenses by commissions And it's hard to know, certainly right now, what the answer to that is. But I wonder, BC, if at some point in the future we'll have some kind of test or measurement that allows us to detect a certain amount of brain damage and whether or not commissions put a threshold on whether or not you can continue to get a license and fight if it goes beyond it. Because to me, what is pretty clear is we're talking about a guy in in Shogun Hua who, you know, he fucked his elbow up. So forget just the brain damage. It's taken an extraordinary amount of damage to just generally his body. And I'm going to guess, not a medical doctor, but I'm going to guess a totally inadvisable level of brain damage as well, which we're going to have to worry about and see what the effects of later in life. You can probably keep winning in MMA if you're good enough naturally and you've been good enough that long where you can have an extensive amount of damage to your body and to your brain, traumatic or otherwise, and still just win against certain kinds of competition. I think it's absolutely possible. So uh, I, I think if you're going to ask the question of who should retire, it's partly are they winning. I don't think it's a totally ridiculous question. It's, it's actually quite valuable. But also, hey, man, how long have you been doing this, and what kind of damage have you taken? What's really left? What's really possible? When you add up all of the answers to those questions, BC, you get to me at a point where you're like, dude, what on earth are you doing at this point? Yes, of course it is time to retire. It was probably time to retire a while ago. So while I respect the fact that he can still uh, win Saturday notwithstanding, it, it, this, this idea that he was saving himself on Saturday, extra damage, folks, the damage is done. That was just leaving what little was left. And while I applaud it, uh, that's not the issue. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You look, remember pre, um, Endeavor pre, you know, $4 billion sale. Uh, look, UFC doesn't pay the fighters what we think they should to a lot of degree, but they would do that cool thing for the legends, the company guys, the Matt Hughes, the Chuck Liddell's probably the Bonners and Griffins. Give them the yearly salary, give them the honor honorary job. And I'm not saying, you know, a guy like Forrest Griffin seems like he's actually working a lot for the UFC, but you know, give them the retirement package, which is here's an annual salary. Thank you for everything you've done. Shogun's a guy right now where, uh, you know, I don't know UFC's books, but I'm going to guess they're pretty damn strong. Uh, can, can we find enough in there to just give this guy a yearly salary to not fight? Can we give him, can we put him on the chart, the old Chuck Liddell plan before Endeavor canceled that? Because that's uh, in a, in an unforgivable sport, Luke, I, I'd like to see some kind of end reward on that for somebody like him, where you're like, Oh my God, thank you for everything you've spilled out. But what's done is done. Here you go. Here's your golden handshake. Okay. There you go. That's it. Luke. That's it. Yeah. I appreciate that. We see that's a very weird handshake. All right, last but not least, we get to the part of the uh, card where we have open-ended whatever you want. So there was a lot of different interesting pieces to this card, main or prelim or otherwise. BC, who is somebody else that deserves a mention on this show, positive or negative, game ball or gasser, from UFC 255? I'm absolutely stunned, Luke, that Antonina Shevchenko, and by the way, I think it was like her 36th (laughs) or 37th birthday 
that she suddenly found a ground game, Luke. I thought she was going to get, you know, beat by Ariane Lipsky. And I thought, you know, despite the fact that she, that Antonina had a good record coming in, we talked in the show preview in this fight. I didn't have great things to say about older sis. Uh, her ground game was absolutely remedial against Caitlin Chukagian when she finally sort of stepped up to the elite level. I give her a ton of credit. She dominated Lipsky, got the second round stoppage. Her ground game looked fantastic. Is is uh, Lipsky Habib on the ground? No, but Luke, this was a fighter later in her career who's constantly evolving. And obviously it can't hurt to have uh, Valentina as your chief sparring partner, but I'll give Antonina a lot of credit. Big win for her, a big win for the sisters on the same night to, to both gain a victory, but I didn't see that coming, Luke. And as we already know, this is a shallow division and I don't expect the sisters to fight each other, but this is a win that sort of forces you to reset what her ceiling is. Yeah, it was a nice win. I have to admit, I was equally surprised, not merely that she won, but that it was, shit, it was kind of one-sided on the ground, wouldn't you say? Yeah, dominant. It was a dominant win. I was like, whoa, what do I know about MMA, you know? Filthy cash over here, bro, okay? Uh, For my uh, shout-out, one, I'd say I thought Alan Joe Bannon, if that is the end of his career, I thought... um, you know, here, here was, I thought that was a guy that also tried to always maximize potential, right? You know, a guy, maybe he didn't get as far as like, you know, having a belt wrapped around his waist, but he always tried to be the best he could be. I always really admire that. But uh, Joaquin Buckley, man, you know, it's funny. Joaquin Buckley got finished with strikes against Kevin Holland in August. And then later on fights Kasanganai, blows his brains out with one of the most incredible KOs I've ever seen. And the UFC really decided to get into the hype machine for him, which is, which is sketchy because partly he was training part-time when he fought Holland. He's obviously athletic. He's obviously talented. But, you know, we don't really know exactly what his ceiling is. And, they, and, and then you understand the UFC's position too, right? It's like you, you don't want to ride the wave of interest in one of the greatest knockouts you've ever seen. Of course you do. So you're, you're just kind of taking a gamble that maybe he can pick up on that. And he did. Jordan Wright, I thought, is a good fighter. And... I thought was winning the first round up until he got melted and then comes out for the second, which he should not have. I mean, his corner totally failed him in that regard, but whatever. Comes out for the second and then gets bludgeoned into uh, you know quick defeat in just 18 seconds into the second round. You know, Buckley had, I th- he even admitted it, he had a lot of pressure from folks to get out there and follow up on this tremendous win. How the hell do you follow yeah. up a win like that? I got to tell you, this win wasn't as spectacular, it was pretty goddamn good. It's it a nice effort good. on his part. And Luke, BC, and he set up the cross fight. I'm all in, dude. I'm all in. I am as well. Look, he could have come out and lost and just fell right back into obscurity. He could have come in and won a, you know, a boring decision. But it's impossible to follow what he did with anything more spectacular. Yet, this was pretty violent enough where you're like, maybe he's turn the corner maybe he's really damn good and i know you were a big fan of his pectoral muscles on twitter oh luke God. and uh uh you know his but yeah his body's a wonderland shout out to buckley and uh you know shout out to a, a fighter as well luke not my favorite fighter caitlin chukagian that's a really good ass win and there was a lot of reason to believe luke that she was kind of cashing herself out she's talked in every interview about i want to fight as many times in this year as i can then i want to go have babies then i want to go you know plan the rest of my life this was a short turnaround after the Andrade loss. I would have predicted upset special that Calvillo is going to come in there. And she, Caitlin used every advantage to her, uh, to her advantage physically and really was a fought a great game plan. Luke, she's not done contending for a title for better or worse. And I say worse because 
you know, she she kind of laid an egg against Valentina. You can ask yourself, what's she going to do anyway? She doesn't have big-time power. But this is a good win. I don't know if uh, Calvillo took the uh, red pill before uh, or the blue one before this fight, but she didn't seem like herself, and I think it was Caitlin who made it that way. So shout-out to her. Shout-out to the blonde All fighter, right. Luke. Okay. Yeah, she did well. Chukagian, I think is how it's pronounced, but I don't really know. So, uh, yeah. uh, But you're right. Totally agree. I thought she she really surprised me with that win, and uh, um, she won it with relative ease is a strong word, but she was in control. Uh, okay. Well, that is it for our top five. This is now a question, or excuse me, a portion of the show where I don't ask you questions, you don't ask me questions, but the viewers ask us questions. It's time for DMs from dogs. <laughs> Bump, bada, bump, 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 bump. All right, BC, we go first to D Hager, J15. Who are these jamokes? That's, I think that's Dylan names? Hager. I think that's my uh, one of our passionate ones, all right? Shout out to that guy. All right, who wins in a fight between Davison, to your point, BC, and Ooh. Mighty Mouse? So let's say they signed Mighty Mouse today, BC, and then said, you know what, Brandon Moreno, step aside. You got to fight Mighty Mouse. Who wins? Well, on paper, you, you, you still obviously have to love Mighty Mouse. But let me ask you, Luke, because you are Professor Salt and Pepper. What does Figueredo do as good or better than Demetrius? Uh, he's got better finishing submissions, I think. And you'd be like, oh, well, didn't Mighty Mouse throw up Brandon Moreno in the – or not Brandon Moreno, I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, I can see him. Ray Borg, Ray excuse Borg. me. Throws him over the end of the arm bar. Yes, there's certainly creativity. And by the way, folks may not know this. This is a true story. He has shown me the mousetrap. He actually did the mousetrap on me. Um, I've seen it. Ooh. I've felt it. And it's, it's great. Like it's, you tap? Of course I did. Like, dude, it's a... <laughs> let me tell you, one of the best things a coach ever told me was, you could be the most experienced black belt in the world, but if somebody gets behind you and locks in a choke you're probably going to tap or go to sleep. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Look, I've been telling you that. I've been telling you that for about six months, bro, one of these days. You yes, know? but you're a zero. You don't know what you're talking you know? about. The, the point being is, um, you know, when Mighty Mouse is demonstrating something, yeah, he's going to get the to the full end. I'm going to let him get to the full end of it. Anyway, so he is creative, but to me he's a little bit more of a creative MMA grappler than he is like a pure jiu-jitsu guy. Like I've got a – Submission breakdown coming on Devison's win. To me, that was basically what Jeff Glover did in the ADCCs, I think in 2013, 2011, uh, over Hobson Mora. And it's a very special kind of guillotine that takes, BC, the only way to explain this is it takes the most deft uh, hand to be able to pull off. You have to have a very specific, careful kind of squeeze. And to get that, man, that is a super high level. Plus, I'd say he hits harder. But other than that, Mighty Mouse has all the other pieces of the game. If not a little bit better, a lot better than him. And that's going to be a hard thing for Figueredo to overcome. Yeah, it would be a fun chess match to see Figueredo come out there knowing he wants to, you know, uh, surge and, and attack and knowing that Mighty Mouse will play the long game with him. It would be very interesting if Figueredo could get Mighty Mouse to fight him, to get him to exchange. I mean, It'd be a track meet as well. That'd be wild. Luke, remember, the the remember, John Do John Dodson rocked him uh, in their first fight. John Dodson could thump, but he couldn't hold. He couldn't. He couldn't. You know, sustain the Alamo over the course of five rounds. And I think that's also something that really benefits a guy like Mighty Mouse. Hey, Tim Elliott had a few fun moments on the ground against Mighty Mouse. Remember that? No. And no. that's the other part about it. He had a big size okay. advantage. Figueroa would have a big size advantage as well. It's another key yes. piece. And it'd he's be got fun swagger. as shit, dude. It'd be fun. Influenced by 50 Cent, Luke. 
All right. You remember being in the, apparently, in the club. Apparently. Yeah. All right. From at Aurelius 92. BC, this is a great question. I, don't, I think the answer is no, but I'd like to hear you explain it. Is Mike Perry MMA's white Dennis Rodman? Well, Luke, I'd like to remind you that Mike is 2% African-American. Okay, Luke, I would like to remind you that. So the question should um, be, is Mike Perry MMA's also black Dennis Rodman? Uh, in a way, yeah. There's some, there's some second-half crazy Mike Tyson in Mike Perry. There's some, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of why. Yeah, yeah but hold I mean, on. Look, Wasn't, hold on, hold on. Dennis Rodman was, he was limited. But he played a role on a team, which of course Mike Perry is not necessarily doesn't have that option because it's a yeah. so, you know it's one on one. But Dennis Rodman was a fucking workhorse. Dennis Rodman That's was a, a Hall of Famer and and one of the great probably you know in the argument of the greatest rebounders of all time and by size you know he probably is the greatest rebounder, right. but also a two time Defensive Player of the Year who can guard every position. So yes, he uh, he's in he's a Hall of Famer. Mike Perry not a Hall of Famer. We're talking strictly from uh, the idea of being a a menace to society, a menace to yourself, a constant walking reality show. Yeah, he's he's a he's he's a I have to see what shenanigan he's going to pull next. I mean, he didn't make Coach Latori carry the spit bucket, thankfully. But did you hear her instruction? She was like, "Punch, punch." I loved it. Look, I loved it. Punch. Yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about her. She seems like a nice person, but I, I you know, I don't, I don't, I don't delight in the in that situation. All right, from at Tyson underscore calm. Will the Tyson versus Jones fight go as planned, or is somebody getting knocked out, BC? Luke, that is the million-dollar question. Uh, For as much as this fight, Saturday night, pay-per-view, Staples Center, Los Angeles, has the potential to – look – that's why we're going to tune in. It's a carnival. It's either going to be really great to see these legends back and have a little fun fight for as long as it lasts, or it's going to be sad. But there are all, there are many different ways it can be sad, Luke, and that's a big part of it as well. Is it going to be sad because they're too old or one guy gets hurt? Or is it going to be sad because you don't get your money's worth because uh, the California State Athletic Commission is clinging to this idea that even though they're wearing no-haired gear, but they're using bigger gloves, 12-ounce gloves, Andy Foster keeps saying... There will not be a knockout. They will not go for a knockout. If any of them are cut, the fight gets stopped instantly. This will be a hard sparring match, and obviously that is against the personalities of both, and both Tyson and Jones have said multiple times, like, we're going to kill it. Like, I'll, I'll fight to the death. We're going to kill each other. Luke, um, you have to believe they're going to let him fight, or you want to believe they're going to let him fight. But referee Ray Corona is a veteran who works for the California State Athletic Commission. There is a big potential womp womp to happen here if this thing starts to heat up a little bit and you look like it's going to get fun. And then they just go, okay, that's too much. Hey, thanks for coming out, guys. Enjoy your one round. Like, they can't do that if if we're paying, you know, if the people are paying however much it costs for one fight. I know there's an undercard. I know you get one of the Paul brothers against Nate Robinson. But, like, you're paying for one fight. We used to pay for one round of a Tyson fight if he murked a guy. If we don't get the murk in this case, Luke, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. My, my recommendation on this is, look, man, I don't know what's going to happen, okay? Could it be more exciting than my negative fucking ass thinks it's going to be? Yes, of course. Could there be a knockout? I certainly couldn't rule it out. I would go in just thinking of, okay, how much is this fight going to suck? And think of it in that frame, 
Because if it's anything better than that, and there's a decent chance it could be, you won't go away disappointed. It will exceed your expectation. What I don't want folks going in there with is like, oh my God, dude, this could fucking be awesome. Yes, it could be, but just put your, put your mind in a negative space like mine is. And when something good actually happens, wow, man, you're like so surprised. But if something shitty happens, which also, by the way, very strong chance that that happens, you're like, you know what? I, had, I, my, I was prepared for this, for this uh, possibility. I'm not nearly as upset as a consequence. Yeah, they're going two-minute rounds, I believe eight rounds. I think the best-case scenario, Luke, is that, look, knockdowns are exciting. That's what, when we look back at our favorite boxing fights, it's usually like people overcoming adversity. They're not going to let these guys overcome a lot of adversity, right? There's going to be a quick hook to end this fight. I think you have to hope that there's flash knockdowns and that a guy can get back up and still fight and be in it and that there's no cuts because they'll shut that shit down right away. Luke, I mean, you this... Best case scenario is Shamrock uh, against Kimbo. It really is. It's that this thing goes, you know, two, three, Off four rails, minutes at yeah. most, but they both have momentum swings where they're in it without it looking like one guy's going to never walk or talk again, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. From this good question here, BC. This is a tough one, too, actually. I think this might be the hardest question to answer, but maybe the best one. Here we go. From Cubby's Fan 80. What is the perfect plate of Thanksgiving food and, and this is the key, the perfect drink to wash it down? Yes. Yes. You and I have debated this thing, Luke, back in the day at length, at length. But uh, uh, I come from, you know, a line of French Canadians, Luke. Okay. My people, the Quebec, the Quebecicans, the, uh, the Vermonters. The my Quebecois, people, the you mean? The Quebecians, the Quebecicans. Um, so, Luke, uh, that's half of my family. Of course, I'm Lithuanian on the other side, Luke. I knew you knew that. So we love ourselves some freaking ass meat pie. To me, Luke, turkey is not even in the equation. Do I put pieces of turkey on the plate? Yes. I know people love turkey soup or turkey sandwiches. If that's how you get down, go for it. To me, meat pie is the heart, Luke. It's the, the backbone, the sack attack of the plate. Have you ever had meat pie? Yes or no, Luke? Uh, does like shepherd's pie count as meat pie? No. Uh, I think shepherd's pie just has ground beef. Meat pie has mixtures of like pork, beef, and chicken inside of it with a pie no, I crust. Guess I, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think I've had that. No, it's got like a cinnamon spice to it as well. And, and you put gravy on that. You put mashed potatoes and corn around that. Then you get the stuffing and look, I, I like the crap can stuffing. That's where I, that's how I get down. Don't, don't give me the one with the big chunks in it. Give me the crap. All right. Put that around it. Stuffing is the, is like the Scotty Pippen of the meal. It, you got to have great stuffing. Okay. But it's really what happens is the mash, the gravy and the corn become almost like a floating moat for the, for the meat pie to swim in. And then around that, you know, you got a little green bean casserole. I got an aunt that aunt Cheryl makes the lasagna randomly. I throw a little lasagna on the side, but really it's about the meat pie and the traditional fixings around that. You asked about the drink, Luke. I mean, it's between a glass of milk and a root beer for the perfect accompany. Are you out of your mind. fucking mind? You yeah, had me on most of that shit. Most of that shit, I was like, all right, I can get down with that. Fucking root beer. What are you, yeah, just trying right. to fucking singe your palate so you couldn't yeah. uh, appreciate anything on there? Yeah, pro- what, what am I supposed to say, Luke? Uh, 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 Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, that you're, uh, I mean, what am I, what are you, where are we going with this, Luke? <laughs> Coffee is for closers, BC. Uh, okay, well, here's the thing. My family doesn't really do Thanksgiving as traditionally as other ones, which is to say, yes, 
okay, well, I don't have Thanksgiving this year, but you know, uh, when we do, we obviously have a turkey. I mean, that's sort of the centerpiece. Turkey is an overrated bird. You have to really know how what you're doing. BC, you ever fried a turkey? Overrated. It's a super overrated bird. You ever fried a turkey? I have had a fried turkey that a friend of mine made yeah. once and delivered it to me on Thanksgiving. It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So I fried a turkey a few years ago. It's the best decision I ever made. I did it in peanut oil. You have to have the ingredients, and you got to do it safely. I did it in the middle of my yard with grass. I had a sand pit around it. I made sure I put the right amount of oil in. I heated it with the right equipment to the right amount. I slowly lowered with the right equipment the bird into there. 18 minutes later, I pulled it out, peanut sauce, and I had injected fat and butter all into it before, Ooh. you know, and I had seasoned it for three Wait, days ahead of time. did you say peanut sauce? You put the t- Pe- peanut sauce on no, no, the- So is that like a Thai no, no, pe- taste? No, 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 peanut oil. You, you, you fry it in peanut oh, oil. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and so I fried it, pulled it out. Dude, that's the best turkey I've ever had. I know a lot of folks are like, my Meemaw makes turkey in the oven. Your Meemaw makes fucked up dry wood, and you just lie to yourself and to her and First the rest of your all, family. don't you ever it, use my Meemaw's name in, in vain at I all. Mean, I mean, I've, I can't say how many times I've been to someone's house and they're like, dude, my grandma makes the best fucking bird. And I ate it, and it was like, holy shit. I might have food poisoning from right. just eating drywall. Okay, let me finish you the point. You get mad so, at my sacrilege of saying that turkey is the most overrated part of the meal, like by far. Like, like I could dude, do without we, it. We are, we're in lockstep on that. I'm not one of these guys. Like, do you have to have turkey because it's Thanksgiving and that's the thing you got to do? Yeah, sure, man. I won't, I won't fight you on that. On some level, you got to have it. Plus, yes, the leftovers and blah, blah, blah. But, like, is turkey as good as beef to eat? Fuck no. It's not nearly as good. You, you or, know what? We should start. We should change in this country. Make spiral ham the centerpiece of the Thanksgiving meal. I usually have that on Christmas or on Easter, but spiral ham's well, badass, Luke. Well, and for here's what I would say. So finish the plate. Uh, the mac and cheese has to go on there. I'm a big mac and cheese guy. Ooh, okay. I, I'm not a big green bean. I'm not a big green bean guy. I mean, I'll eat them, but I don't think they're, they're not a very interesting veggie. So my do mom has with this yams. Do you, do you mess around with like yams or like uh, uh, turnip or anything? sweet potato? Maybe. But uh, my mom has this special vinaigrette she used to make. Rest in peace. And me and my sister and my brother all still make it. So we'll make my mom's. Uh, it's a, sort of like a mustard vinaigrette, and we'll dress Ooh, some nice. kind of salad that we make with it. Um, and then from there, cornbread, biscuit. I feel like a biscuit is kind of essential with the gravy, yes. maybe some or stuffing. Just a roll. I'll take a roll, Luke, but a biscuit would be a preferred. Roll, I, yeah. A roll is okay. So, yeah, some kind of thing you could put in your – you just can't have a slice of bread in there. you got to have something a little bit different to, to sop it up. But I'll tell you, for this year, BC, what I'm going to do is – I know you've never had it, but just hear me out because – if you've never been to South America, you got to understand one thing about the whole place, whether it's Brazil or any other place. It's all kind of the same in one sense. They love their beef down there, and they know how to do it right. It varies country to country, but they do it well. There's something where my wife is from. In, where she is from, it's high in the mountains. It's actually higher than Mexico City. It's 8,500 feet. It's Bogota, Colombia. There are no central ACs in any place you go. The only way to heat everything or to keep it cool, it's cool naturally. So the only way to heat anything is with a fireplace. So they have a dish down there called Lomo El Trapo. Lomo El Trapo is how you would pronounce it otherwise. You take beef tenderloin, you salt that son of a bitch like you never salted anything in your life. You pepper that bitch like you never peppered anything in your life. You take cheesecloth and you dunk it in red wine, you wrap it, you get the fireplace going, B.C., 15 you minutes. You, you assault that bitch like John Copenhagen? Is that what you just said? I, like, like, I hope not. F- no. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and you get one of the best tasting pieces of meat you ever had in your life. You could put some rosemary in there as well. You get that, does a, a glass of does red wine, some Pinot Noir. 
I was like, you get that? A glass of Pinot Noir, not fucking root beer, and you are living the good life, sir. Easy to cook, easy to do. All right, let, let's course correct and remember that I come from a factory town, all right? There ain't no Pinot Noir anywhere, okay, Luke, all right? Pinot Noir right. is like, dude, you can get a Pinot Noir for like $9. I don't know what yeah, you're talking I, about. I know that now, now that I live in the, uh, you know, in the in the, in the the snobby burbs. But, uh, you know, come on, Luke, all right? You got you got to go back to your roots. But, look, I respect the game there. I like the South American influence. I'm sure Abuela makes something fantastic, Luke. I bet I can hang with your people, Okay. I bet I can. Dude, you'd love right? to eat. You would not have a bad meal down here. You just have a different meal. That's all. All right. And last but not least, BC. Wait, you weren't going to from... ask Jay about how his tribe celebrates? Jay, we're going to get some hot I mean, here cares? or whatever. Jay, you there? Jay, what's going on? Yeah, I'm here. Do your people hey, celebrate? Scr- hey, hey, hold on, hold on. Yeah, hey, uh, where, where's Jay and why'd you replace him with Skrillex? Um, because he died. Did he? Did, did he die? Did he I don't think he died. I don't know. He's alive. Is he one of the alive ones? They all die eventually. At some point, they all commit suicide. What do you What do you eat? What do you eat on Thanksgiving? I know this might uh, disappoint Brian, but I'm I'm actually like fourth generation American. Um, so what <laughs> I know he treats the Jews like they're different. Like you know they're American too, right? What does that even mean? I don't get it. Yeah, okay. it's like. It's like like he thinks I'm gonna have some like you know uh, oh yes well my uh, my Israeli uh, parents uh, who don't speak any English no I mean my my grandparents were all born in America but anyway um, you make the turkey out of clay I get it Jay I get it right? <laughs> yes exactly and then we light it up um, oh that's hilarious uh, no yeah it's a very American very traditional American Thanksgiving all right you know I'm we... not gonna say anything bad in case my mother's watching because she oh thank had... you Mrs Aaron for yes. for. For pr- helping she's, helping and produce the show, you know, originally yeah, years ago. Uh, Jay, real yes, quick, father, yes. can you tell Luke what song you were playing on acoustic guitar before the show this morning? Uh, that was uh, Backstreet's Back, uh, the famous song uh, by the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, it was a dark morning. That's your producer, Luke. There he is. Yeah. You know that song is about uh, 25 years old? Could you believe How old does that make you feel? Yeah. yeah for, okay. Thanks, Jay. Great, great talking to you, Jay. Always, always a pleasure being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have one more question, by the way. Yes, we do, which we can get to when you leave. Thank you. All right. At at Dilio underscore two. BC, what's some advice you'd have for a high school donk headed to college? Well, first, don't get COVID. But beyond that, what else? Well, I'm a college dropout, Luke. Am I the right guy to be giving advice here? Can we, I mean, come on, you know? I mean, really here, Luke, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and Kanye. Yeah, you and Kanye. Um, best advice I would have is... Um, people say it'll be the most fun you've ever had. That's probably true. It's not entirely true, but it's probably true. But the thing I would say is take an opportunity to um, study something that really captures your imagination. Uh, so for me, I went in a lot of different directions, but don't just like, oh, my dad said I need to study fucking blah. So I'm going to go do that. Like really take an opportunity to take classes, even if you have to take a higher than 15 credit hours per semester load to do it. Take extra classes that really um, advance your understanding of the world that are just about learning. It's not about any kind of job prospect that really broaden your horizons, enrich the value of learning and see where that takes you. Maybe it doesn't lead to a major or anything else, but the best classes you'll take in college are the ones you are the most passionate about. And I don't mean bowling for your last semester of senior year. Yeah. If I had to go back, Luke, the advice I'd give is go to a warm weather school. Right. That seems fairly uh, I mean, you know, that seems fairly smart. And look, go to a school with a major power basketball or football team. It just seems like that would only quadruple the fun. Right, Luke? I mean, it would. It would. It yeah. Would. See, I didn't I didn't do 
I didn't do that. In fact, Ben Roethlisberger crushed uh, Mike Tomlin the other day. Do you see they had some like Mike Tomlin made some comment about like a Miami of Ohio because yeah. you know he's making something, and then Ben Roethlisberger was like, "Yeah, well, when we figure out whatever conference William and Mary plays in, I was like, yeah, that's a dig. That's a dig. And if you're, um, you're going to study abroad, wear protection, right? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, that's a big help, BC. All right. With that in mind, sir, it's time for us to watch Slapstick. Go ahead. All right. Hey, it's time for the Factory Town portion of this show. All right. We scour the globe, Luke. The highs and lows, the good, the bad, and the ugly in combat sports and beyond. It's Have You Seen This Shit? Luke, have you seen what went on at LFA 95, Park City, Kansas? The Adesanya Slayer himself, Alex yeah, Pedeta. Four years in the making. He's back in MMA. And, Luke, he sent Thomas Powell... To the bottom floor. In fact, it got scary for about four or five minutes when Powell was not moving. Luke, they call him Poetan. I believe that translates to uh, Stonehands. Good God, I cannot wait for this man to get to the UFC. Will it happen, Luke? Will it happen? It probably will, but I, I would caution folks. He's you know he's a lot older than Adesanya, and I don't think he is quite as well-rounded, so you should have some managed expectations. But if people want to strike with him, Mm -mm. you're gonna see a lot of that i mean look that's a touch shot right there he just touched him luke yeah the timing is perfect this is absolutely perfect bop bah. Jesus. Oh, wow all right hey let's go last thursday bellator 253 on that undercard new zealand's jj wilson needed just 20 seconds luke to send sergio debari on vacation you impressed with the maori kid from new zealand here yeah he does the old sweet that, that is a similar uh, execution of what Masvidal did to um, uh, Till. Uh, Till. Yeah. The yeah. old switch step of the feet blitz. JJ improves to 7-0. and oh. Is he a CKB guy, Luke, or no? No, I don't believe so. All right. All right. Luke, I didn't really want to put any of this on the show because you got to go to a adult film site to watch it, but were you down with what's going on in Fight Circus 2 over the weekend where they had all that weird <laughs> stuff? They had a three-on-one MMA fight, but I wanted to show you the prize they gave to the big fella called Panda for competing in this. Did you see this conspiracy theory picture that says no. fight circus rules and Epstein didn't kill himself? That piece of artwork was what they gave the Panda for competing. Look, there was a spinny shit only fight. There was a leg kick only fight. There was like a lot of weird stuff. If you're wondering what a three-on-one MMA fight looks like, we've got footage here. Uh, if we can advance the slide. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it, I'm torn Luke. Cause if you're going to go, if you're going to watch this, you got to go all in and it's probably pretty gross. I saw Bob Sapp showed up. I mean, it's probably pretty gross, right? Well, I mean, Thailand is a country where they've got, you know, kids, the age of, uh, eight and nine fighting for, uh, you know, to send rice to their family. It's, They've got a bit of a slightly different moral calculation on some of these things. What, was that in Thailand? Fight Circus Two? It was. I believe so. Yeah, oh. I could be. I could be wrong about that. So if they, if I am, y'all can kill me on dead wrong. But I believe that is correct. Yeah, I, I'm not going to Cam Soda for anything, Luke. Okay, come on, come on. Oh bro. really? You're too All good right. for Cam Soda, Mister Red? Yes, Tube? I am. I am. Thank you. Uh, hey, and Victor Forty Three over the weekend, Luke. Did you see the damage that PFL champ Kayla Harrison left on the face of Courtney <laughs> oh my King? God. God, it looks like a horror yeah. movie, Luke. 
Hey, so Harrison moved down. She's the 155 champ with PFL. She moved down to featherweight for this one, which is interesting. She said she wants to get another fight with Invicta before the PFL season. Uh, let's show the finish here. Luke, it looked like Kayla didn't even uh, get to enjoy it because of how brutal it was. I didn't think she wanted to be there, Luke. This was. This I know. She like gets up. Dude, let's see if we can see the face. She gets up and she makes a fa like a face like, ugh, that, I feel bad. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That looks like the movie Carrie. You ever see that, Luke? This is pretty gross. Oh yeah, yeah. buddy. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, Luke, is she trying to make forty-five for uh, for some future plans or what? This is how much blood I come out of the bathroom with after I've been to Chipotle. It's just so filthy. That is just, I mean, just no sell my uh, my legitimate MMA question. All right. Yeah. Okay, Luke. Uh, well, hey, it's time for our head kick of the week, Luke. And that comes from Karate Combat's Brian Van Weisberg, the Ma. German. Yes. Yes. Shout out to them Karate Combat folks who blew us off and tried to give a big name star to another competitive show after lying to yeah, us. But, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, it's. They make fun highlights, though. All right. Hey, Luke, a lot of talk about Shogun Hua tapping to strikes. You down with this big muscle-bound guy at Fame MMA 8 clapping to clapping. strikes? Luke? Yeah. That choke's not even in. The guy can't even fit his muscles around him. Dude, people who don't know what they're doing, they, they just panic, and he panicked. But this fight all was right. like the all-steroid championship of the world, which you know me, I'm all in favor of. Yeah, I think even Marius Pujanowski objected to this. Look, this is, yeah, this is, wow, all right. Hey, let's go to the gym, Luke. You love gym mishaps, right? Sometimes oh, the gym doesn't? rack giveth and then oh. it take it away. Oh, wow. <laughs> so hold on. Stop that is fight. a, that's a, that's a, that is a hammer strength shoulder press. So you're Which you have in your front way. yard. Which you have in I your wish. front yard, by the way. And this fucking ape took two bands and tried to do, <laughs> I guess, a like a like a, a, a chest fly. The fuck is yeah. he do? Oh, that is. That's the back you of know the what? brain he just got pinned on. Yeah. BC, you got to go to the gyms that have their racks bolted to the floor. You understand oh, that? that? There's is, a big difference. Brutal. Well, speaking of weird moments in the gym, Luke, are you down with, uh, I think we call this Punjabi tip to tip, as long as it's among friends. Whoa, where'd that video oh. go? All right. I guess we don't have it, Luke. We don't have it. We don't have it. All right. It okay, but look at these, re these rednecks. Like, we're going to go fishing for king cobras. Bah. <laughs> Down in the swamp. All right. Uh, hey, Luke, these, co these crazy COVID quarantine times, they are allowing one thing. Uh, wild animals are now kind of pop, you know, populating among us with less traffic. I had a giant bobcat in my yard the other night. And check out this giant rat in the New York City subway, Luke. This is insane. So this is a take on there, – there was a famous meme where a rat was seen pulling a slice of pizza in New York. I just love how the other New Yorkers, like, don't even front on this. They're just like, yeah, let this crazy motherfucker go do his thing and we'll work around. God, dude, do you miss taking this is like this is where we would get off too at like 42nd or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't miss that fucking subway for two seconds. I'd rather eat out of a out of a stand up urinal look, than, than ever go back to that. <laughs> believe that. All right. Uh, hey, our street fight of the week, Luke, takes us to Flushing, New York. That's Queens. So uh, what we don't see was there Bro, was a little I bit saw of a this. fight. Yeah, there was a fight in the street. A guy got a stick involved. So the fight ends, but the guy with the stick wants to get one more swipe in. So watch what happens. Oh, my God. I saw this, bro. These motherfuckers. Whoop. Kapush. 
Dude, he took him through the fucking Luke. Good lord. Ha- try the croissants, bitch. <laughs> I mean, the fight he was gave- pretty brutal. They had sticks and shit, and then this guy in the car was like, no, you're not taking out my, my front headlight. Oh, my God. And, dude, apparently he- this was all over a parking spot in Queens, New York. Like, yeah. what are these fucking people doing? And um, yeah. it's amazing no one was killed. I like how the other New Yorkers are like, nope, I'm done, donezo. Yeah. This lady in the store, this lady in the store still walks out the front door rather than the giant fucking hole that was created <laughs> by the, uh, the, uh, the Mercedes here. Watch this. We'll play it one more time. This is a Tuesday morning in Bogota. This is no big deal, right? They get busy in these other parts of the world, man. They don't suffer shit like, you know, super gladly. Watch. So he gets lifted here it's into, an you know, it's an, it's an Audi. Look at, look at the lady walk out. She's like, no, walking out the door. Fuck y'all. I'm not paying for that. Yep. All right. All right. Let's go back to the cage. The Czech Republic from the promotion. I am fighter. Luke, look at Peter Gabal with a looping left hand. And then look at the little walk off salute. Oh, look, is that like Hitler? What is he doing there? Boom. Nice head kick. Nice looper. Right. But what's that celebration? It's very, uh, very Third Reich. I don't know if I'm down with I that. I didn't see okay. it. I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah. All right. Well, it was a nice little walk-off, okay? Oh, uh, I saw let's that. Go, Some let, kind of hand signal. Yeah, I don't know. Let's keep it on the regional scene, Luke, where you know regional MMA, anything can happen. Have you ever seen a tornado body kick KO before, Luke? I guess I, I haven't. Wow, that looks like it hurts. Man, look at those logos on the mat. They printed that shit out at Kinko's five minutes before the fight. Yeah, what's that cage? Six feet, six feet by eight feet, Luke? That is uh, some tightness going on there. Speaking of regional MMA, Luke, this is about the most bizarre ending you've ever seen. Jay, I can't see because I have to watch it on fucking uh, Zoom. Three seconds So it could have been the head. I think, I think he hit him in the head. I think it was a body kick, Luke. Or Jay, I mean, come on. I know I mean, you're a former. The, it would have been like the top of his shoulder if it was. No, he hit him in the liver on the other side, Jay. Come on. You know, we're, we're the, used the to liver's on your Uriah right Hall. side. We'll, we'll slow down the videotape after the show. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of regional MMA, Luke, watch this DQ for slap. First of all, oh, God, we're all over the place here. All right. Uh, this is a different clip altogether, Luke. Uh, don't drink and dive this holiday season, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Do we not have the regional scene uh, DQ for slapping, and then the guy loses his shit, and then the referee beats him up? No, I guess not. All right. I don't know, but this this guy's a hero. All right, we'll we'll try to retrieve that for next week. Shout out to this drunken fellow, Luke. That would have been you uh, Thursday night, but uh, yep, no. yep, yeah. All right, I have no idea what's coming up next. Here we go. Oh, hey, Luke, here's an sh- entry from our Canadian friends from 2000, a CFL highlight for the ages. Former NFL quarterback Kerwin Bell spikes it off his own bag, Luke, and then gets sent to hell on the ground. You down with this? <laughs> Did they throw the flag on him or the person who, like, shoved him? I don't know, but young Aaron Bronstetter was probably going nuts. Probably a huge Argos fan, right? That is hilarious. All right. A bunch uh, of Luke, fucking C-listers. Your father will not be celebrating Thanksgiving with you due to uh, COVID this year, but let's go back pre-COVID and check him out on the high seas. This is what Rob Thomas was all about. Look at this dirtbag. Yeah. Take a bite out of crime, Luke. Yeah, you got you to gotta corral that guy, Luke. Dude, old McGruff hasn't lost his swag. 
or his appetite, I should say. He's going to need Dude, an assist, he, though, Luke, to finish I mean, job. look you at his that, skin. Right? It has transformed into leather. <laughs> how did these chicks get on that boat? I don't understand how we got here. Okay. It's, like, it's like, how would you describe this guy's skin? Uh, it's like the color of pink mixed with dehydrated piss. Yes. Yes, I'll give you that. All right, this has been all over the place. We're almost done here, Luke. We usually save our uh, tip segment for Friday, but check out this industrious youth, Luke. He couldn't find a lighter or a match, so he used his toaster to spark a J. You down with this intuition, (laughs) ingenuity? He couldn't just use the oven? (laughs) To stick his own head in there? Yeah, I don't know, Luke. No, Uh, no, 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 but like the, the the top burner. Yeah, well, it depends what he has, you know? Yeah, I guess. Right. Hey, got okay. it done. I mean, uh, let's close with this, Luke. Uh, from some more ingenuity, if you can't find a cereal bowl and you're jonesing for some Honey Nut Cheerios, Luke, how about asking a friend? This won't get weird at all, right? I'm never going to do this for you. I hope you understand that. Oh, my God. He's going to eat it out of the other guy's mouth? Wow. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's the shit of the week, Luke. You saw it. Thank you very much. All right. Hold on, let me let me see him. Let me see him. Like just fucking. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! This is yeah. the stupidest show on earth. Yeah, why do we do this show so many days a week? Hey, speaking of that, Luke, we got a bonus for people this week, don't we? Yes, so we are not obviously going to have a live show on Friday because we are supposed to have some kind of life. So, so be sure to go to uh, the Apple Store and leave us a nice review for the podcast. And when you do, leave a question in there. Our intrepid producers will pull them all together and then we'll use that and we'll have a special sort of kind of like a DMs from Donks episode is the way I would describe that, PC. But the two of us uh, by at the, way, the same time. Yeah. Yes. By the way, uh, we have odds and ends, BC. What are your odds and ends? Yeah, so uh, Joe Rogan made his much ballyhooed return to the UFC booth, I believe, for the first time since what? Habib? Is that correct? Sounds about right. It's been a while. August or so? It's been August a while. or something like that. Luke, uh, apparently I'm finding out after the fact that I might be in the minority here. I loved Saturday Night's broadcast, and I might say the combination of of John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Daniel Cormier, I think it's my favorite combination in UFC history. All three might not be the best ever at their specific role, but this combination is fun, and I think it comes down to what you prefer. You know what I want? I don't, you know, I know enough, Luke, about technique and stuff. I don't know at all. I like when they tell me, oh, if, you, if this guy does this, he can get a submission. That's fine. But you know what I really want? I want fun. I want two dudes... Three dudes feeling like they could be next to me on the couch having a beer. These three are fun. The chemistry's off the charts. I think this is my favorite combination to ever do it. I mean, I love me some J.A. I love me some Moro Ronaldo. Maybe Moro's the best of all time. But this three together, Luke, I loved it. I loved it. It felt great again. Yeah, I, like I, I, did, I didn't. I didn't. And it's here's the funny thing. It's like each – well, John Anik is, is usually – good no matter what and he was good here and and to be clear it's not really a knock on rogan or dc which is to say when dc is in the zone commentating he 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 has given the best wrestling based commentary really of any ufc commentator ever and i think that's a very fair statement and obviously rogan's been doing this a long time and has a narrative to give um along with you know sort of various points of 
of, uh, of insight along the way. And again, you're right. Really, it just comes down to what do you prefer? I want them to have a good time and I want them to, you know, if they're not having a good time, you can't expect anybody else to. But I like it. I like it when there's a little bit of contrast and they stay on track a little bit more. To me, it almost sounded like a fight companion podcast more than a it did. commentary. And that's, I think, why I loved it. And look, I think yeah. like a Dominic Cruz is probably, I think Dominic Cruz might be the best they have in terms of like actually breaking things down. I know a lot of people love Bizping and he can be fun as well. I just think these three men, they were just, I mean, it was almost like John Anik was sitting back and letting it be the Rogan and DC show, but it was, it was, uh, they were on a roll, Luke. Okay, they were on a roll. Yeah, but I mean, if you, I mean, it should. I mean, again, it, it's also going to depend on personal preference, what the producers want it to sound like. There's a lot of moving factors, or uh, moving parts, I should say. But for me, it I was a little too silly, a little too goofy. I am actually looking for as much insight as not as much, but I'm looking for a sufficient amount of insight that uh, is possible given the expertise of the people speaking. And I, th- I feel like you get that better when you have Rogan and Cruz or, you know, Dan Hardy and DC. I think those combinations tend to get you a little bit more of what I am looking for. Uh, I also feel like Rogan was a little bit rusty, which is understandable given that he'd been off for so long. I mean, for folks who don't understand this, he used to do all the UFCs, all of them, even the fight nights, because there was that was just the way it worked. And then he got paired back to... Most, but not all of them. Like he would do the Fox shows and the pay-per-views and blah, blah, blah. And then it was just pay-per-views. And now even it's only some pay-per-views because he's not traveling to Abu Dhabi for them. And obviously a big portion of this year has been fights putting over there. So he's actually doing the fewest amount of UFC shows he's done since he started, maybe, to be yeah, quite honest right. so with you. August was the last time, right? Yeah. Um, well, here's the That's thing. Look, every announcer who's been around forever hits a point where they're where they're post-prime, they're aftermarket, they're even washed to a degree. I, I actually think Rogan's aftermarket right now, I just enjoy the shtick that comes with that, that I don't get irritated if he misses things or if he's a little bit off. I, it, it only fuels the enjoyment more. Luke, who is your favorite team? in Mick? I'm not saying an all-star team. I'm saying, do you have a favorite team in mixed martial arts history? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Morrow is great. We don't get enough of him in MMA. I know he's been doing a lot of Showtime boxing stuff, which is awesome, but I really miss him in MMA. John Annick's great. So either of those two guys. If we're talking about UFC teams, I like Gooden, Hardy, and DC. Uh, I also like Annick, Rogan, and Cruz. If we're talking Bellator, you know, obviously Morrow, Big John, and uh, John, uh, uh, Josh That's Thompson. That's a strong trio. We haven't seen enough of that trio. That's a strong trio right there. Exactly. So, uh, so that's sort of where I'm at. What about you? I think this three might be my favorite. And I've always gone to bat for this and people don't like it. I think Randy Couture is one of the best fight commentators of all time. I don't really listen he to his was, work today because yeah. I, don't, I don't watch a ton of – is he still doing PFL? I don't even know. But, Luke, I thought when he was uh, you know, still in his UFC prime and was working on some of those mid-broadcasts, meaning you know mid in the transition to the modern period, he was fantastic. Obviously, I love me some old-school Jeff Blatnick and stuff like that, but uh, – Give me, give me, give me a fun broadcast, Luke. Okay, that's what I want. That's all I want. All right, fair enough. It's just again, it's really going to be a function of what the what the producers want and what the individual. I know you're wants. a diehard Goldie fan. Yeah, you're a diehard Goldie well, fan, and I, you I know, mean, I just, I've been I so right him. about that. I've been so right about that guy from day one. I got so much pushback when I was like, I don't think he's very good. And everyone was but like, Oh my god, he's the ass. best. And now you can't even find a defender. So you know, head of the curve. Uh, also for mine, I got a couple of these. One, we'll talk. I mean, well, you know, we mentioned the Cody Garbrandt thing, 
But the other one I wanted to mention was Lex McMahon has been a longtime uh, MMA manager. I think he's the promoter of Titan FC as well. And this past week or weekend or whatever, I'm not sure exactly what day it was, he said, you know what? I owe my fighters something, which is I should get in there and experience this for myself. So he got into the cage, BC, and uh, he fought in a pro contest. There he is. He's like 40-something, and he won. Like Jack he won Abbott, via, right? Yeah, look at him. He won via choke from the back. So, uh, you know, <laughs> everyone in MMA is expected to fight at some point, which I think is a fairly ridiculous expectation, but it's just sort of the way things are. Well, he met the call. He heard it, and there he is. And he got a, I'm not sure what round it was. I didn't even see the fight, but I did see the result, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So, shouts to Lex McMahon. Look at him with a cigar, BC. You got to oh, respect yeah. that, huh? American flag upside down in the background. That's always nice. Uh, anyway. A lot of COVID got- waiting to happen in that picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, shouts to Lex McMahon for putting it on the line and getting it out there, and uh, good job by him. He was quite aggro right there. Very Vince McMahon of him, Luke, to, to you know, enter into the fray, right? Yeah, I guess so. So that's my odds and ends, BC. Uh, all right, so we should talk about this. Wednesday, we're going to have a show. We're going to preview the uh, the Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. ridiculousness. There is a UFC show this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. we'll talk about that. Um, and also, be on the lookout. I will be chatting with Derek Lewis this week on Morning Combat as a bonus uh effort there also uh francis and ganu you'll be getting a little bit of that luke i'm also going to be chatting with uh danny garcia and errol spence a big week for for a short week a lot of interviews coming your way and i don't want to declare it because last time we declared it it was not true although not our call there's supposed to be the documentary coming out this week maybe even tomorrow but maybe maybe you know who really knows bc not you or me i know that yeah yeah uh yeah uh it may be. We'll see you, Luke. Okay, we'll see. Uh, as a sort of a standard disclaimer, like and subscribe. If you want to get some of the Showtime merch for your folks, Black Friday's coming up. We offer you no sales, but hey, you can go get it, store.show.com. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can, showtime.com. Three for 30 days. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. We are also all over social media. You can go and get me and Brian on Twitters, on Instas. Morning Combat for everything, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. Last but not least, what do we get right? What do we get wrong? Fan submissions for artwork, everything else, morningcombat at gmail.com. BC, any parting thoughts here on this Monday afternoon? Uh, do you have any, Luke, you're a, you know, you're, you're not, no one's going to tell you to stick to sports, Luke, okay? So do you have any message for someone who's thinking about get hit in the road? going to see their family during the holiday season and spreading that vid all around the globe, Luke. Well, if you give grandma COVID over Thanksgiving, call the funeral home and tell her she'll be in there around uh, New Year's. So this is what I would say. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yes. Be safe, everybody. Uh, We'll, we'll see you on Wednesday. Of course, always bonus. We got so much bonus coming out here. Look, you know what? People should pay us. Like, and subscribe, bro. Yeah, just yeah, subscribe, like subscribe already. I mean, look, what else do you want us to do, right? I mean, come on. Well, uh, so we got tons. Right. We actually have a lot of content coming your way by virtue of BC's interviews, the docu- the documentary, the Wednesday show, the actual uh, the planned Friday show, a whole lot of stuff. So be on the lookout, okay? Hey, All right, and also, Malka- maybe, look, if we don't get to 75K before the new year, Luke, 
Here's our here's our plea to the people. If we don't get to 75k, it's going to be a three-man show starting in 2021. And I think you know who that third man will be. Not the guy with the hat, all right? Although he was wearing one today. Jaron. We'll bring Jaron in until we get to 75k, okay? Yeah. Wearing a Las Vegas fuck, fucking Raiders hat. Or not Raiders, I'm sorry. Uh Golden Knights. I mean, what a dipshit this guy is. Jay, okay. it's your time. It's you. It's up to the people. They want more Jay in their life? Don't subscribe. Dude, why right? do you like the Golden Knights? The, uh, understand something. His favorite teams are the Yankees. I'm sure Duke. He hasn't told me that, but I bet he roots for Duke. The <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. And now the Definitely expansion Cowboys. fucking darlings. You are pathetic as a sports fan, Jay. No, sir. I'm a New York Rangers fan for life. This hat was free, uh, so I have it. And it matches. Well... Motherfucker, you could send me a Philly Flyers or Penguins hat. I'm going to burn that shit and make my no, Thanksgiving Loma Al Trapo on top of it. Any any Philly thing I would never I would never wear. I would never wear a Red Sox uh, anything. There are lines that, that can't be crossed. But the Vegas Golden Knights, if you remember, were the New York Rangers. They, like, got a bunch of their players when they started. They were, like, Rangers West. MK listeners, Fuck this the could Las be Vegas your Golden Knights. right here. This could be your future. Could okay? be. Yeah, well, and when the Capitals played them, what happened? That's right. Stanley Cup champions over here, motherfucker. How about that? Okay. Wow. That's a hell of an NHL flex out of you there, Luke. Only took Ovechkin's entire career uh, to get one. Hey, we got one. I don't want to hear shit anymore. All right. All right. All right. For Jay, for Malka, for Showtime, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We will see you on Wednesday, but plenty of content here on the channel all week long. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.